Okay, I want to welcome everybody once again to um, the newest in our series of um, teleconferences that we've been doing over the last two months. Uh, and this particular subject of today's class is the subject of the title of Mysteries of the Sacred Heart. And I'm Reverend Anna Jones. Um, I'll be leading this call today. And uh, I'm joined on the call um, by my wonderful husband, Philip Jones, and um, Philip is also a, a, a spiritual chaplain for hospice, a spiritual counselor for hospice, um, a minister, and so many other wonderful things that he does uh, through his spiritual service and so much spiritual depth that he has that I'm very happy that he's on the call today. And anything that he can um, chime in and join in on, I'm always uh, happy when he's able to do so. So he's got some parts that he's going to share with us and some things he's going to share with us. Um, like I said, I'm Irvin Anna Jones, and I am an interfaith minister. That means that my background is in world religions. I work with people of all faiths and all traditions. Um, I'm a holist. I uh, also practice different forms of holistic healing. And um, in addition, I consider myself first and foremost, beyond anything else, a modern-day mystic. And um, that's where I'm going to begin today is um, whenever we're talking about mysteries, because, again, the title for today is the mysteries of the sacred heart whenever we're talking about mysteries we're dealing with the mystical realm um, the mysterious realm and the mystical realm um, and they are the same one in the same realm those mysteries um, in fact the mystics of all cultures of all religions worldwide um, they have all been the ones who have gone about um, taking a, a very deep personal approach, uh, developing a very deep personal relationship with the divine, um, and oftentimes through the mysteries, through some of the mystery teachings, um, some of the more um, mysterious uh, and, and, and mystical uh, aspects of each tradition and each religion, depending upon what tradition and religion that you're talking about. Um, it's interesting, uh, in, in, in our uh, work lately, um, because of the work that we're doing with organizing our Mystical France retreats, which we will be talking about at the end of this call today, um, and also just a lot of through the work that I'm doing with the angelic part of my ministry, as I have a whole healing part of my ministry, um, and I uh, have an intuitive arts aspect of my ministry, and I have a whole entire angelic aspect of my ministry, angelic ministry that I do, um, is, is through the work that I've been doing with Archangel Michael and things lately. Uh, it's, it's interesting. People think that um, these things are just exclusively, like when we talk about the Sacred Heart, or we talk about mystics, or we talk about the angels, that these things are just exclusively belong to just one religion or one tradition, and they don't. Um, the angels don't belong to one religion or tradition. Um, the mystics certainly do not belong to one religion or tradition. The saints do not belong to one religion or one tradition. Really, this, the, 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 I was with someone recently, and she said, the saints belong to everyone. And I said, yes, the saints belong to everyone. I loved that statement when she said it. I, I, I think I applauded her, actually. Um, the saints belong to everyone, and there are saints that have been alive in every tradition that all of us can draw uh, meaning from. And um, 
and, and, and the, the sacred heart. When we're talking about the sacred heart, um, because the most well-known term um, in the world right now for the term the sacred heart is from Catholicism, some people think immediately, oh, you're doing a, a Catholic class or you're doing a class on the, you know, something pertaining to Catholicism. And we are going to be talking about the sacred heart within Catholicism and what it means to um, the Catholic tradition and, and, and subsequently to the Christian tradition that um, you know, Catholicism is a part of and that um, Christ, uh, Christianity, Protestant Christianity came, came through and from. So, um, but the Sacred Heart doesn't belong to just one religion either. Um, and so that's a really important uh, thing for us because the Sacred Heart, uh, we're, we're going to talk about it in terms of three hearts, actually. Um, first thing I'm going to talk about is that the, the, the Sacred Heart um, is also within us, okay? Um, so when we talk about the mysteries of the sacred heart of the divine, we have to talk about our own hearts. Uh, it's impossible for me to talk about the mysteries of the sacred heart of the divine or the sacred heart of God uh, without, being, without talking about our own hearts. And um, because it's through our own hearts that we can really connect with those mysteries, the mystics know that, um, and, and those who follow the paths of the mystics know that the, the realizations of the mysteries and the, the greater true realizations um, that we can come to in our spiritual path and our spiritual journey um, are, don't come from our heads, don't, definitely don't come from our egos. Um, in fact, I think sometimes when people are thinking about the Sacred Heart of, of God, they think more about you know, some ego projection that the mind's ego is actually putting on the, the, more the mind of God versus the heart of God, and they're, they, they speak more about God's you know, judgment or God's criticism or, or God's wrath or those types of things, which again, I kind of more see as um, our ego projections, our persona uh, and personality types of projections that we put onto the mind of God. But when, but when we talk about the heart of God, we have to um, talk about our hearts and we have to make that approach through our hearts. So even though I'm giving a class today and, and this is um, you know, an educational type of format here. I will end the call um, after everything's said and done, after the two parts of the call are complete, because there's two distinct parts. There's the class, and then there's the, uh, the, the pre-retreat uh, travel log that we're going to be giving about this specific journey into the Sacred Heart that we're leading in mystical France uh, in Paris as a, a three-night, four-day uh, standalone uh, retreat uh, that's actually uh, happening uh, in October of this coming of this coming fall. Um, so we'll be talking about that in part two, and then once everything's all said and done, I will be leading a meditation, and that meditation is uh, a very simple. It'll be a very simple, short sweet, to-the-point, um, heart-centering meditation to try to help us uh, connect there um, and to take everything that we've heard here today um, really more into our hearts and uh, work with it from there rather than just keeping it in our heads. And I, I ask everybody to do that, too, to not only keep an open mind uh, throughout the, the portions of everything we're going to be talking about today, but also to um, keep an open heart and how important that is for both of those things. I feel that... Um, it, 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 actually, I, I ultimately feel that you have to have both uh, in order for the other one or the other to be open. So in order for the mind to be open, I think the heart really needs to be open 
And in order for the heart to be open, I think also the mind truly needs to be open. They, they go hand in hand. They have, a, they have a sacred relationship, the mind and the heart within us. Um, and the sacred heart within us is actually meant to lead. Uh, in the relationship within us of the mind and the heart, we let the mind lead. And we project all types of things from our mind and from the different parts of our mind, such as the ego and, and other um, personas that the ego can actually uh, kind of create in us, etc., uh, that we can project things from and live very much out of our minds and our egos and our personas and our personalities rather than live from our hearts, whereas all of the spiritual traditions of the world that I've ever come across um, holds living from the heart, acting from the heart, serving from the heart, loving or having compassion um, from the heart and leading from there, living from there as being the highest um, and, and maybe even the ideal or maybe even the goal a lot of them do, like the vast majority of them that I've, uh, world religions that I've worked with and spiritual traditions that I've come across and studied um, do. So why, why, why do we do this? I think one of the reasons why, if, if the heart is meant to lead and we see all these you know, wonderful sayings and things that are out there that says, you know, follow your heart, listen to your heart, um, you know, if, if, if we're meant to be doing this, why aren't we? And um, why is it so confusing for us is a very, two very important questions that I've asked myself many, many times. And um, one of the conclusions that I've come up to is, first of all, that the, the mind is something that we've kind of given too much free reign to, and um, we need to learn how to um, be in control of our minds rather than our minds being in control of us. And by we need to be, uh, you know, I need to be in control of my mind versus my mind being in control of me, the I being the true self, the I being the, the, the true self that I am, and that I am not my mind, I am not my body, I am not my emotions, I am my spo- I am my soul. I am a spirit soul here having a human experience is the way I like to describe it. Um, so it's that I am that needs to actually be in control of the mind, the true self, the true identity, um, and that part resides in the heart first and foremost. Now it's ultimately... Uh, the soul is ultimately um, meant to be embodied fully uh, through our whole being, but it anchors itself and seats itself, uh, the, anchor, the, the anchor of the soul into our physical body uh, at the, the physical heart and the heart center. In um, ancient uh, Sanskrit, there's a, a word for the heart center, which is um, so much more than just the physical heart itself. It's in entire field of energy, an entire field of vibration that's, that's multi-layered, and there's been a lot of scientific research that's actually being done by um, an institute called the HeartMath Institute uh, and some other um, places like it that are doing scientific research on not just the physical heart, but um, these other aspects, the energy field of the heart. And that Sanskrit term, that ancient Sanskrit term for that larger heart center um, is the term heart chakra chakra is the term heart chakra um, which is you know that it's an, it's an energy field it's an energy vortex it's a when we say uh, for example one experience that all of us have with our hearts is that something may happen in the world that uh, it, or even in our personal lives actually but something may happen in the world say for example that really touches us and and moves us at our heart and we say my heart goes out to that person you know our hearts are going out 
to you or our hearts go out to you at this time. You know, we say things like that. So what's happening? Our physical heart is not actually leaving our body and like going out to that person. What's happening is that through our heart center, our, our, our love, our compassion, um, the, 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 the energy that we can uh, move through our hearts and connect through our hearts as well as our spirit and even parts of our soul are reaching out through that heart center to that person, which can happen at any distance, by the way, and we can make that connection at, at, at any distance um, through the heart, through the sacred heart center. Um, we can make that connection uh, to the world, to others in the world, uh, to, to anyone that we're feeling great empathy, compassion, love, devotion for. Uh, we can make that what we call heart connection with, and that's a very sacred thing, too. And to me, that's a part of the mysteries of the sacred heart. Uh, when we're talking about the mysteries of the sacred heart, there's some specific things we're going to talk about today, but then there's some of these very personal uh, things that we experience that um, go beyond religion and I'd say into um, you know, our, our, experience, our spiritual experience, our experience of being a spirit soul in this world, that there's a mystery to that. We don't understand fully how it works. We all have had some kind of experience of it, of our heart going out to someone, of being touched so deeply by empathy or compassion or something like that. that, that, that and, and, it's, and it's a mystery to us, but it's a mystery that can be known. I really do believe. I believe that there's a great mystery of which um, there always needs to be some aspect of that great mystery, and I've, uh, I would have to go into a much longer story to uh, describe that to you because that mystery um, fuels us on our quest. It helps us in this spiritual journey. It actually plays a, a role in our, in our growth and in our evolution. But I also believe that there, is, there are many, many mysteries that are mysteries to us now that um, the mystics have, mystics have been able to uncover and they've been able to penetrate and as a mystic, I have a goal to uncover and to penetrate and to gain realization about it and that many, many, many of the mysteries, including the mysteries of the Sacred Heart, we can penetrate them, we can enter those mysteries and we can realize, have realization about them. Um, we can realize and we can learn and they, be, they become mysteries no more. They become revelations, they become realizations to us. So they're mysteries in the beginning, but then they can become revelations that can be known uh, to us, but you have to enter it, right? I mean, that's the key. The mystics have to enter the mysteries. They have to explore them, not just with their minds. They have to actually explore them through spiritual practices, explore them through inner work. Um, there's no way that you can enter your sacred heart and enter the mysteries and penetrate the mysteries of the sacred heart without going first into your heart and um, centering in your heart and, and, and doing inner work and inner explorations, um, contemplation being one of them. That was the term I was given um, you know, early on in my childhood for the word meditation. Uh, I, did, I, did, I didn't have the word meditation. It was never something ever used in my upbringing, um, but it, contemplation was, was, was the word that was used at the time. But then meditation, um, later I became to understand that contemplation and meditation are very similar to one another. In fact, it's just a, a type of meditation practice, a contemplative, meditative type of practice that I, was, that I was doing, and then learning other types and forms of meditation can be very 
very valuable in helping you to enter those mysteries, enter the heart and live from the heart and enter those mysteries. So I shared with you that um, the heart chakra, some of the experiences that we have. Um, Well, another experience that we have of the um, mysteries of the sacred heart within us um, is experience of intuition. We've all had it to some degree. Some more than others. Some are, you know, just strong intuitives, um, like myself. Uh, and, and I was born a strong intuitive. Um, it was a natural experience for me, and I've worked throughout the course of over 30-something years to develop my intuitive um, uh, abilities and uh, my, 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 my intuitive strength. And really that development process has been a lot of times getting out of the way, the voice of that intuition, clearing my mind and being able to just develop my ability to hear and see and listen to the intuition and follow it to get past the fear and get past the things of, of following it. The word itself, intuition, means inner teacher. Tuition meaning teaching or teacher, and then the the prefix in meaning inner. So inner teacher. So again, the sacred heart within us and the mysteries of the sacred heart uh, directly point to the intuition as well and um, the intuitive experiences that we have. In fact, when we get into talking about the sacred heart within Christianity and what it means and and again, the the symbol of the sacred heart within Catholicism and things that people in our modern day sometimes think of when they think of that word, that term, the phrase, the sacred heart, you know, those symbols and those uh, experiences and all the the, the teachings that the Catholic Church even has about the Sacred Heart has come from mystical experiences through intuition, through people having, you know, visions, auditory messages, uh, you know, saints and mystics having experiences, intuitive experiences with the divine in which these things were revealed through these intuitive experiences that they were having. Okay, and we're going to talk about that here in a little while. But for ourselves, personally, we all have it. It's not just something that belongs to, you know, some of the mystics from in the Middle Ages. Or it's, The intuition is in your heart, and um, the intuition is speaking to you in your heart, your inner teacher, your inner wise one, your inner guide, the inner teacher is speaking to you from within your heart. Another name for it is the still small voice. Well, it also can not just uh, be an auditory. It can also bring visuals. It can help us feel things. The intuition for me is multi-sensory. Um, you know, sometimes I feel things through my from my intuition. Sometimes I see things from my intuition. Sometimes I hear things from my intuition. Sometimes it's a multi-sensory experience. There can be knowings and things like that. And there can be just things that I just know in my heart. I don't know how I know it. I just know it in my heart. And that's that intuitive knowing. That's that knowing, the knowledge or the knowing of your intuition and that your intuition is giving you, that the inner teacher is giving you. So from esoteric terms, the um, the, 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 the spiritual heart, okay, again, there's the biological heart and there's the, spir- the spiritual heart, which is really what we're talking about here today, the spiritual heart, which the biological heart is a manifestation of, it wouldn't be present if the spiritual heart didn't exist. Um, the spiritual heart has, from esoteric terms, 
three distinct parts of it. In fact, sometimes I've heard it described in other traditions as actually three hearts, that we have three hearts. Um, and, and I resonate with that. I resonate with the fact that we have kind of an emotional heart, we have a physical heart, and we have a spiritual heart. Um, definitely that connection to the three hearts, we have a physical heart, emotional heart, and a, phys- and a spiritual heart, definitely resonate to those three parts. But I've also had um, in some of my intuitive experiences and mystical experiences of my journeys into the sac- my sacred heart and into the sacred heart of God, um, I've had experiences of within the spiritual heart there being three aspects, actually. So there's the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual heart, but even within the spiritual heart there being three distinct parts and portions of it, um, what's called the threefold flame and um, in esoter- esoteric terminology, the threefold flame. Um, and I've seen it. I, I, I saw it long before I even looked it up. In fact, it was visions and images that I was receiving during some of my meditative experiences that led me to go learn about it. Um, and that, that's what happens a lot of times for me, is a lot of the things that I teach, I learn them first a lot of times through my mystical experiences, and then I go learn them in my studies, then I go learn them other uh, other places and, and seek for validation, confirmation, deeper understanding of them. Um, so when I came across the teachings of the... Um, the esoteric teachings of the threefold flame and the heart, it made total sense to me because what I was seeing is I was seeing uh, three distinct colors um, and these are the colors of the spiritual flame that resides in the spiritual heart. Uh, And the colors are violet, gold, and um, some some say blue and some say pink. Um, I see it as as pink Um, and sometimes it's emerald. So when I see it in my experiences, I see it some Sometimes it's emerald, that third color. Uh, But pink I have also seen, and that's a traditional color for esoteric uh, teachers who describe the threefold flame. And each one of those colors or vibrations, uh, pink, gold, violet, are probably the most common described in the threefold flame. They represent different qualities. Some say power, knowledge, and love um, are the three qualities that those um, three flames within the threefold flame within the spiritual heart um, represent. For me, they represent something else. They represent, um, and I like those, I I like those uh, qualities, I like those virtues very much and I do resonate for them, but I've always related to them as within my spiritual heart, there is the, 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 the divine that is anchored there, there's my soul that's anchored there, and they're, they're, they're one, and they're interconnected, they're intertwined, um, in, indivisible from each other, and yet indivisible, from, I mean individual. So individual, yet, in, yet uh, sorry, indivisible, yet individual. Um, is how I experience it. And that's what I love about the threefold flame symbol too, is because you see all three of them when you look at the symbol. Just go look up a Google in your in Google images, uh, just an image of the threefold flame, and you'll see that there's three flames that are intertwined uh, with each other, and these three colors that are intertwined with each other. So they're indivisible from each other, but they're also individual, and that's what the, the three colors represent too, um, is the individuality of them. So there's this, 
the, the divine spirit or the Holy Spirit, um, the, uh, you know, the super soul is another terminology that, um, uh, that, that Philip and I use to describe that aspect of the Holy Spirit, that aspect of the divine that resides in our spiritual heart, that's anchored within our spiritual heart, that speaks to us as the voice of the intuition, as the voice of the inner guide, as the voice of the inner teacher, um, you know, shows us things, real, realizes things, helps us, uh, in, you know, guides us and that, it, that is instructing us in so many, so many other things and, and loving us, you know, loving us, being that presence of love and light anchored, you know, within our hearts. And then there, so there's the, the, the super soul or the Holy Spirit. Then our, there's our soul that one of those flames represent. And then there's the... Um, the, the, uh, the highest capacity for our emotions, like all of the, uh, the emotions and the feeling capacity, like our, uh, our, our emotional ability to, to me that one of those flames represents, our ability to love, our ability to um, emote. To me, it's like uh, one of those flames represent uh, our emotional body. And um, that's really the best terminology that I can give to you is the emotional body that um, that there's, uh, this, this gift that we have called the emotions and uh, that I think of it almost as if a, a body, a field in, a, in, within itself, of itself and um, you know, the ability to feel all that we feel and emote all that we emote I connect to that third flame so that's again from my mystical uh, teachings that I'm giving to you from my mystical experience, the understanding that I have um, about the threefold flame now the, um, the thing that we get confused by when we say living from the heart, following the heart, uh, is that most people then think that that means, well, I have to follow my emotions. And then if, 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 the, emotions are, if the emotional body or the emotional self isn't very mature or isn't very well developed, if it isn't strong, if that aspect isn't developed or strong or um, you know, mature, then sometimes that emotions means, following that emotions even means uh, following you know, like sentiments and things like that, which are kind of m- wonderful and they're, 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 they're not bad things, but they don't always lead us to the highest outcomes that we're looking for, and they can sometimes lead us into things that we can, like, you know, still end up getting hurt and, like, go, well, well I followed my heart and I got hurt. Why, why did that happen? Um, anyway, this is a whole long class in and of itself on the heart chakra that I'll give someday, but uh, the, the short of it is um, that's not the heart that we're meant to follow. The emotional uh, body or the emotional uh, vibration or flame within the heart is not the, the, the part of the heart that we're meant to follow. It's the spiritual heart, uh, especially the soul and the divine soul, the, the, the soul and the Holy Spirit, the soul and the super soul that we are meant to follow and that guidance of the intuition so when we're say, when we're when we're seeing all these wonderful signs and posters and postcards and you know uh, messages from teachers and you know spiritual friends and things like that that say oh live from your heart follow your heart no it's not about following your emotions now that doesn't mean that if you are deeply loving something that that doesn't help open the door and that the emotions cannot be a a, a, a sign they can be you know they, they can be a sign as to what that you know deeper heart is saying to us as to what your soul wants and desires what your soul loves you know what your soul uh, loves definitely are uh, the, the strong emotions like especially the emotion of love if we really really love something it's usually a, a very good sign and it can open the door to the soul realization and divine realization coming even further. 
However, it's mostly that following that inner guidance um, and following, uh, for me, topmost, even beyond the soul, is the beloved of the soul. Um, and that beloved of the soul is the Holy Spirit, the Divine Spirit, also the super soul that resides within. And so that's um, from the esoteric tradition. But I wanted to bring Philip in here because, again, that's, um, I, I, if I went any further, I'd have to get into a whole class on the heart chakra alone, and that's a different class for a different day um, and for a different series. Uh, but I want to bring Philip in to talk a little bit about um, the lover-beloved relationship uh, that is present in um, some of the other traditions of the world and the understandings of the sacred heart within some of the other traditions of the world. Okay. Um, so just to preface all that is... If you could speak up just a little bit, Philip. Yeah, as Anna was saying, just to preface the introduction to the world religions, a lot of times we, most of us have probably heard the, the phrase from the Old Testament, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I, years ago, came across a Jewish uh, student, teacher, who said that, that the correct translation of that is the awe of God, or the respect, the great awe and reverence for God is the beginning of wisdom. And that made, made a lot more sense to me. And that's, but again, that's kind of considering the mind aspect, cosmology, theology, the awe, the great awe and reverence. So the beginning of wisdom is, is awe, great respect, but the end of wisdom is love, love of God, no question about that. And so in some sense, we're looking at the, the, the head and the heart, and as Anna said, they're both very important, they're complementary, but the heart's in the lead, definitely when it comes to uh, the depths of spirituality and religion. She also mentioned this uh, term in Sanskrit that is Ridaya, H-R-I-D-A-Y-A. <coughs> Excuse me. And this term is made up of two words, Hari, H-A-R-I, which means God, and Daya, like Dias, means sitting on a Dias. So literally the Sanskrit word for heart is the seat of God. And as she said, God within the divine, eminent, Holy Spirit, supreme soul, or Paramatma. <coughs> Excuse me. So in, the, in most of the great traditions of the world, I would say all of the great traditions of the world, there are mystical strains that are more prominent. For example, in Islam is the Sufi tradition, very revered path in Islam. And in that path, the uh, highest truth is considered to be love of God, and the highest truth is experienced as the beloved. So the relationship of the lover and beloved, the soul and God, is really the core of the Sufi path, which is the mysticism of Islam. And in that tradition, as in all the great mystical traditions of the world religion, God reveals himself within the hearts of those who love him. And we've probably heard of Rumi. Almost everyone's heard of Rumi because he's such an addition to being a great mystic, a great writer, and a great poet. And there's also a, a female saint called Rabia, R-A-B-I-A. And if you have time, you might want to investigate her writings and her teachings. She was also a great Sufi saint. In Hinduism, one of the greatest traditions in terms of uh, devotion to God, uh, as most people know, there are different paths of yoga. There's Kama Yoga, Hatha Yoga, Gana Yoga, Asanga Yoga, Raja Yoga. And there's also bhakti, and bhakti means love or devotion. So the yoga of love or devotion is considered to be that yoga for which all the other yogas are moving us toward. 
And in Hinduism, there's something, I think, very charming and beautiful, and it's the idea of capturing the heart of God. Because we talk about the sacred heart, and of course we can say we all have within ourselves a heart which is sacred, where God sits. But God, God is also a being. He's the supreme being, and he, within his heart, we can capture his heart. Now, this brings in the concept of the divine feminine as well, because the only one who can really capture the heart of God would have to be God's equal. So God, goddess, or God as divine masculine and feminine. So in the Vedic tradition or the Hindu tradition, the divine feminine is Radha. And divine masculine, one of the names of divine masculine is Krishna. Krishna is the... One of the many names. There are many names. Yeah. It's one of the divine names. So uh, the beloved and the lover, the lover and the beloved brought in Krishna, and she captures the sacred heart through her love and devotion. In Hinduism, there are many, many great saints and teachers. Chaitanya, who was in the 15th century, is one of the, called the golden avatar, divine manifestation of God, and he taught this path of bhakti. Also Mirabai, she was a great uh, mystic in the bhakti tradition, Tulsidas, and so many others. In Buddhism, of course, a lot of people, when we think of the heart, uh, in the sacred heart in Buddhism, it's the heart of compassion. Um, the Dalai Lama at one point said, forget all the fancy meditation practices. The real heart of Buddhism is complete commitment to others, empathy, devotion, commitment of the heart, like that. Living from and the heart. And of course, there's many, many great saints in, in Buddhism as well that had that uh, compassion of the heart. And this leads into Christianity. Um, Jesus probably put it as simply and as well as any, any of the great uh, teachers of religions, founders and teachers of religion, when he said, love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And this really is the sacred heart of Christianity and all the great religions. In Christianity, specifically devotion to the sacred heart, is, um, is coming really from the Middle Ages when they reference maybe the most prominent, more modern uh, practitioner of the Sacred Heart. There was a nun from France in the 17th century called St. Mary, excuse me, St. Margaret Mary. And she had visions related to the to Sacred Heart. But if you go back a little earlier, there were in the 12th century in France and Italy were St. Bernard of Clairvaux and St. Francis of Assisi. And of course, most of us have heard of St. Francis and we all know that his devotion, his spirituality was so great and his heart was so open and expanded that not only did he teach human beings, he taught the animals as well. So he's really one of the great heart mystics of, of Christianity. And as Anna said before, these saints and sages, they belong to all of us. They're not limited to one religion, whether it's Chaitanya of Hinduism or Rumi of uh, Islam or Sufism or Francis of Christianity. They belong to all of us. And interestingly enough, when you go back to the Middle Ages, when the devotion to the Sacred Heart really took hold, it was three women saints that were uh, mystics, all three of them. They were women's, women and they were mystics, and they all had visions. They had visions of the Sacred Heart. And one of them in particular, I'm going to wrap it up here because we don't have a lot of time, was a... Um, Belgian saint named St. Lutgard, and she had a vision in which Christ appeared to her and offered her a gift of grace. And what she asked for, she asked for a better grasp of Latin, (laughs) 
because in those days they you know they studied the sacred languages Latin Sanskrit etc and so he gave her that and she was flooded with this understanding of Latin and all these songs and readings and so forth but then but she felt there was some emptiness inside so when she had another vision of Christ she said kind of like well I'd like to return this gift and exchange it for another gift and Christ said okay well what would for he said for what would you exchange it and she said I would exchange it for your heart so she was going to give him back this gift of being a great intellectual scholar and uh, scholar of Latin and, and the, the sacred books and she said I'll exchange that for your heart and then according to the the history or mythology he reached into her removed her heart and replaced it with his own so that's you know the teachings coming out of the Middle Ages for Christianity and the Sacred Heart. And, of course, it's also there in Judaism, especially in Kabbalah, and, um, as I said, all of Sikhism, all the great traditions, really, when you get to the heart of all the religions, and very often the heart of all the religious teachings are found in the mystics. They later become written down into scripture and teachings, but where they originate is with the mystics. And when you get to the level of the mystics, it's about as universal as you can get. All the religions, they they find that underground spring or well from which all the streams come out within the mystical uh, the mystical heart. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that history and your insights about it and that story it was fantastic. Um, what we were reading prior to um, prepare, when we were preparing for this call, that, which we, we were kind of surprised to find out, by, uh, is that we were reading that um, the most widely practiced of, of devotion, um, the most yeah, widely practiced right. devotion within uh, Christianity is in Catholicism, and that widely practiced devotion is devotion to the Sacred Heart. So it's very, very fascinating. Um, and to me, I, I, I have to say that uh, when it comes to the Sacred Heart of Christ, um, that it has always uh, represented that unconditional love, you know, that unconditional mm-hmm. love. Um, now, we have the, the famous symbol, um, the famous artwork that I think everybody thinks of when they think of the Sacred Heart of Christ. Um, and th- that artwork is literally a, a, a physical heart. It's an image of a physical heart. And uh, it's pierced, um, and, and it has uh, a cross, and it has um, the crown of thorns, and it has a, a flaming, shining light um, that, that, that's coming from it, and that's radiating off of it, um, from it and off of it. Um, so that's the, the famous classic image within um, the, um, you know, the, the, the Christian tradition now with, of, of having, um, you know, the, the heart of Christ or the sacred heart of Christ. And this image comes from the, the saint that you were talking about, Philip, uh, uh, originally, this image uh, was given to St. Mary Margaret um, mm-hmm. from France. Again, she was a, a, a mystic living in France um, between uh, the years of 1673 and 1675 is what they date this image as to where it actually you know, came through and, and started to be painted and, 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 and used. Um, 
and so it's it's stuck. This image is stuck, and it's been painted in artwork over and over and over again. Um, you know, sometimes uh, just the heart itself is painted, uh, and and sometimes the the heart is uh, you know painted with a picture of Christ and 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 with the Sacred Heart in the in the center of the chest. Um, some of them with more light radiating than others. There's, there's many different depictions of it, and um, to me, all of those things, all of those symbols represent incredible love you know the incredible love that christ had for humanity unmitigated love unconditional love all-encompassing love that christ had and has by the way not just had in past tense but has uh, because the sacred heart is a living thing um and and has for all of humanity and um a deep love a deep divine love that's unconditional and represents and to me christ is also always represented that face of god that aspect of god that is completely approachable because of that love and um, also makes God the Father and the Holy Spirit completely approachable to us also because of that love and through that love. And so it's through that unconditional love and that unmitigated love that the teachings of the way of love and the way of Christ spread so rapidly. You know, it's like um, because it was the way of love that was being taught. And I think that um, in modern day practices and even in middle evil, medieval day practices of, of Christianity, a lot of that has got, had, got, had gotten lost and sometimes still does get lost, that it is a way of love and that it is a practice of love and that it is a heart-centered tradition and that Christ was you know, uh, following and teaching a way of love, a path of love. And those who um, practice devotion to the the Sacred Heart of Christ, um, they're looking to have mystical experiences of going deeply into that love and into that heart connection um, with Christ. And ultimately, you know, again, because Christ provides that deep access to the love of God in every way through the Holy Spirit, through God the Father, through, you know, to me the Holy Spirit is... Um, is, 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 is a more a feminine aspect uh, of the divine and originally was in the ancient words and terminology spiritus was, was feminine in it. and when you look at the linguistics of that word um, and uh, there is a linguistic connection to a feminine vibration within the word Holy Spirit and then God the Father so there's that, that, that deep mystical uh, connection to God in every way that can be made through Christ and that the mystics make through Christ um, and through that, 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 that sacred heart of Christ. Um, and so it's a, it's a great practice. But regardless, again, because we're, we're interfaith teachers and, and we're both interfaith ministers, um, regardless of what tradition you're following or path that you're following, um, living from your heart, going into deep compassion, deep love, and engaging in a loving relationship with the divine, with God, and, and, and trying to penetrate your heart into that love, that's where the real mysteries of the Sacred Heart lie for all of us. Um, and uh, I've made that connection through Christ. I've made that connection uh, through uh, many of the things that we've talked about here today and 
I tell you what, and there's a lot of people who um, they, 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 only want, they only think the connection can only be exclusively made through Christ and Christ alone. And um, I am just not one that's experienced that through God and God alone, yes, uh, but to me, God isn't in just one place or in one person or one tradition or one religion. God doesn't just belong to one person or one organization. Um, there is one God, and it's the God of all beings, all people. And there is one sacred heart of God, and that sacred heart is uh, loving all children, all beings, all of God's creation. Uh, that love is there, and so I don't find that uh, using any any of the traditions, any of the spiritual um, devotional practices that inspire us and that draw us, if they if if we can use them because they do inspire us or draw us because our intuition is leading them to us, if we use them with the intention of going deeper into that 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 communion experience with the heart of God, with the loving um, relationship with God, then that's the way they're meant to be used. And we don't have to be afraid of them, um, you know, weakening or diminishing. Actually, the multiple experiences that I've had um, uh, with, with other spiritual traditions have deepened my love for Christ. It's actually deepened my relationship with Christ and deepened my love for Christ as a result. Um, and so it's a it's a it's a it's a, a very holistic thing, um, and uh, again to explain it all and you know first first of all it's impossible because we're talking about something in which there's there's many many great mysteries that um, have been uncovered and that we don't <coughs> we don't understand because um, when we're talking about God. We're talking about the all that is here. Um, we're, we're, we're not just talking about one person who, again, is a, a judge and a, a critic and, you know, condemning, etc. We're talking about um, an all-loving, um, unmitigated love, unconditional, all-encompassing, loving being, presence, um, and uh, power that is uh, everywhere in all things, and yet individual, uh, and um, you know, just there for us, always, always there for us, there with us, and that we're meant to have this deep lover, beloved, loving, beloved relationship with through our hearts and through following paths and practices um, of the heart. Um, so that said, um, I think I'll wrap up there, Philip, if, unless you had something further you wanted to say and just start segueing into uh, part two of this call. I feel like part one kind of wrapped up there unless you have something else to say. I just wanted to say amen, sister. <laughs> um, so I'm going to segue now into part two. So why did I put together a uh, retreat um, in, you know, what, why did I put together three retreats in France this year uh, is, is an important question because it has to do with following my heart. That's my answer. Um, it is in this sacred relationship of um, my relationship with the divine that I have engaged and gotten guidance and um, I've received many 
callings throughout the course of my life, the calling to become a minister, one of them, but many, many, many callings throughout the course of my life. And one of the callings was to um, lead retreats and pilgrimages, and I began doing that at a very um, you know, early age in my life. Uh, back in the early 1990s, I began leading small weekend uh, retreats, even where I, uh, where I was at the time. I didn't have the ability to travel out like I do today, which was in southern Ohio, began leading small retreats, uh, weekend retreats in southern Ohio back in the early 1990s. Um, when I met Philip, uh, we felt called uh, to be together, you know, a deep calling from our hearts, right? It's like our, our relationship with the divine calling us in our hearts. We, were fought, we followed our hearts in, in following the guidance to come together in our sacred union of our marriage. Um, and uh, we've, we felt called through our hearts and, 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 and led by our hearts to... Um, to begin retreats and pilgrimages through the company that we created, which is Questing Spirit LLC. Um, I do a lot of my work, uh, even my ministry work, through that company, but especially we do our retreats and our pilgrimages um, through, that, through that company, Questing Spirit. Uh, we called it Questing Spirit because of um, we, we believe that that's a term that uh, fits all of us, that we're all spirit souls, um, and we're here on a human quest, um, that we're having this human experience. So the soul is who we are. The human uh, is what we're experiencing, the human aspect of us, um, which is a very real experience. It's, it's a very real thing, our human part, our human aspect, our human experience is what we're here experiencing, and that we're on a human quest, um, a quest to experience all that this human life can give us, all of what the human experience is all about so that we are all questing spirits here having a human experience or on a human pilgrimage uh, is another way I like to describe it is that we are all questing spirits here on a human pilgrimage and um, the role that pilgrimage has played in my life has been very profound I can't tell you I really don't think I would be where I am today with my ministry um, with my health uh, with you know just uh, huge obstacles and things in my life that I've had to uh, transcend and rise above and transmute and heal. Um, and, and I really don't believe that I would be where I am today without all of the spiritual practices, all the spiritual teachers, but also without the pilgrimages that I've made, the spiritual retreats, the sacred quests that I've gone on and the pilgrimages that I've made and the sacred sites uh, and sacred work that I've done at those sacred sites that I've done throughout the course of my life. And I can't tell you how profound it is. We've done a whole uh, teleconference in this series um, on the role of pilgrimage in our modern-day lives and, and really what pilgrimage is and why it's not just something from the old times and why it's not irrelevant in our modern day. Um, it's, it's called the role of modern-day pilgrimage, uh, and it's up on our mysticalfrance.com teleconference page where you registered for this call. If you scroll down um, underneath the registration information uh, where you registered, there's uh, all the pre previous recordings that are on there. And the nice thing is if you don't have time to listen to them all, you can actually uh, fast forward through them by using the little slider and kind of go to different parts. You can fast forward b forwards or backwards actually using that slider um, uh, that through our SoundCloud service actually is uh, who's the service provider allowing us to have that up there on our website and be able to use it so nicely. Um, and so I highly recommend if you're m interested more in like, well, what, why is programmers important? You know, what, what 
what what might I get out of it? You know, what 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 do I really need something like that in my life right now? To go listen to that role of sacred pilgrimage, the role of modern day pilgrimage is recording, um, because we don't really have time today to go over all the things we talked about then. It was a whole message and the whole teaching in and of itself that we gave. But um, if you're going through changes, if you're going through transformations in your life, if you're going through healing crises or just working on healing something old or new, um, if you're going through um, a time in which you just feel like you got a, a breakthrough and you need some new growth, uh, there's all types of things. You know, you're going through, again, really important is when we're going through changes and transformations. Those are times when um, we're really challenged to listen to our our hearts more than ever, right? And I, I find that that's sometimes why changes and challenges um, come up for us is because, okay, now time to, you know, maybe we've got off track with like listening to our heart or following our heart and, you know, time to, you know, reconnect again. Um, ultimately, we won't, once we're living fully from our hearts and, and following fully our hearts, we won't be going back and forth in and out of that experience of following and not following, following and not following. But until then, until we all get to that uh, point in our in our human pilgrimage here on earth um, then and 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 um, until we get to that point then we need things to help us make that deeper reconnection or sometimes make the breakthroughs that we need so that we don't um, you know, fall out of that uh, awareness or out of that consciousness or out of that connection as easily. I know that um, every pilgrimage I've ever made has helped me um, anchor deep, more deeply into my sacred heart and um, make a deeper connection, heart connection, uh, not only with the places that I've gone, but with the presence of the divine, the energies uh, there, the divine that's there that, 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 is, that helps me realize that even more within my own self and within um, my own relationship with God. So um, pilgrimage has just been a super, super important role in my life. Um, And so I uh, feel called to lead other people on it. And not always do people have the time to take a whole week or take 10 days or something out of their schedule. Um, And uh, not always does a, a pilgrimage fit that either. And so that's what I felt about our We call it Retreat 3, and the name of it is Journey into the Sacred Heart. Um, So Retreat 3 on our mysticalfrance.com website is what I'm going to be talking about today because it's pertaining to the subject today, Um, and I haven't yet done a teleconference about it. Um, So Retreat 3 is a shorter, a much shorter uh, pilgrimage, but power-packed, power-packed. It is uh, four days, three nights, uh, and it's an ex- so basically a long extended weekend, a long extended weekend in Paris um, with a day excursion uh, where it's just a little half hour train ride that we're all going to take together um, down to Chartres Cathedral in the area of Chartres, France, which is just a again 30 minute train ride south of Paris. So we're, we'll be staying in Paris the entire time. All three nights will be in Paris at the same hotel, um, but we'll all travel together to Chartres Cathedral on one of those days. But I want to just go through what the, the three main days of this power-packed journey into the Sacred Heart pilgrimage is all about. Um, first of all, it's, it, not only is it helpful for people who don't have the time to take the longer pilgrimages with us, but um, it's also a lot less expensive uh, to be able to put together these shorter retreats. And um, so we also wanted to make something available to where people um, had more affordability 
affordability as well. So shorter time, much greater affordability. In fact, um, today is the early registration deadline, and anybody attending this call or who registered for this call and you're listening to the recording later um, who is interested in the Retreat 3, we can extend for you um, the 795 uh, early registration price for this pilgrimage uh, if you're interested in registering for it and attending as a result of hearing this, uh, as a result of hearing this. So anybody listening to this today and anybody listening to it as a recording, um, just, just mention to me that you heard it on the recording and that's what got you going on it and that you'd still like to have that early registration price. Um, otherwise, after today, it does go up to 895 and then we will be taking people all the way uh, until it fills. And when it fills, um, it'll, it'll start to be 995 at some point in time, um, then it'll, we won't be able to take any more people after, after it fills up. Um, and we're anticipating uh, 12, and I think we might even have room for as many as 16 um, people to join us on this particular journey. And we do have registrations coming in. We've been getting some uh, registrations uh, coming in here and there all week. So, um, so what, what are those three Power Pack days? Uh, the journey into the Sacred Heart includes, on the spiritual program level of it, um, we are going to be going to three uh, very well-known, famous Catholic sites. Now, even though the Catholic Church runs and operates these sites, we're not going to them because it's a Catholic pilgrimage, and we're not going on a Catholic pilgrimage. Um, we're, going, we're honoring that the Catholic Church is operating these things and being super grateful and, and, and being super respectful of, of, of their tradition and all that they do and all that they represent, and I'm just incredibly grateful that they, they are the caretakers for some of these um, amazing places and amazing things, um, but it's a non-sectarian, um, uh, I would say truly interfaith, holistic journey into the Sacred Heart that we're leading, even though we're going to these places, okay? And people from all faiths and traditions visit these places. Um, and so the first place we're going to go on the first day of the pilgrimage, it's actually the arrival day of the pilgrimage, is we're going to um, be going to... Um, St. Chapelle, and um, to Notre Dame, but on a very specific pilgrimage to Notre Dame. Um, and this pilgrimage to Notre Dame is going to be to see and uh, experience um, the, 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 the crown of thorns. Uh, Philip and I had this amazing, synchronous experience back in 2012 um, we led uh, the Southern Retreat back in 2012 that's up on our mysticalfrance.com website, and we led the Northern portion of the retreat as well, but we just had it um, oriented differently. We had it structured differently. The Soul Journey to Mont St. Michel, uh, which we've been talking about in some of our previous teleconferences, we led that. And then after everybody was gone, we had a personal experience um, that we didn't even know. Uh, it was all synchronistic. It was all by, you know, complete divine order. Um, it's a very long story, so I'm going to attempt to make it short, but uh, basically um, the retreats were over. We had a day for ourselves, and, and we had started at Zero Point, which is a Zero Point Meridian on the Paris Meridian that's right in front, and it's literally a, uh, they literally put a brass disc on this zero point, zero, zero point Meridian on the Paris Meridian that's in front of Notre Dame. And we had started there with the retreats originally and said, well, you know, on our last day in Paris, let's end there. You know, so we, I felt called to, you know, since we started at zero point, let's return to zero point. And there's a whole pro profound uh, connections to all of that for me. 
Um, so we decided we were going to go back to Zero Point, which was in front of Notre Dame. And with, since we went to Notre Dame before and there was a whole very large ceremony and things like that that was happening and we didn't get a chance to see some of Notre Dame, we wanted to go into it. So we get off the subway and, and instead of making a left to go to where Notre Dame would be, we said, well, let's go over here because people were telling us that Saint-Chapelle was so incredibly beautiful um, and, and that it was out of all the stained glass uh, pla- places and all the cathedrals and churches and in Paris that had all this, this beautiful stained glass uh, that Saint-Chapelle ranked either at the highest or at the top. Um, and we were like, wow, let's go there and see the stained glass, not knowing anything about Saint-Chapelle. Um, so, and it's on the same island, the Isle de la Cité, uh, which is uh, this um, powerful um, chakra and vortex site uh, in the middle of the, Seine, the Seine River uh, in, in, in Paris. Um, and so we went to the right instead and we went and got in line for St. Chapelle, and there was a timing to all of this, okay, so the line had to be the exact length that it had to be, you know, going through uh, everything that we had to go through in order to kind of get into there, because that's kind of a long story, too. Um, uh, Once we got in there, I was looking around, and I'm like, this is no ordinary church. What is this place? And the stained glass is stunning. Uh, The the, the place is almost made out of all stained glass windows, practically, but with, um, you know, gold leaf uh, and uh, just you know, just beautiful, beautiful the way that it's been, the way it was built. It was built by, uh, we, we came to learn and find out that it was bi- built by uh, King Louis IX, who became um, the saint uh, Louis. Um, he was the saintly king. And so I was looking at it, and there was a very high altar, and I was like, what is this altar? I, this, what would be up there? You know, and it was just very confusing to me. I, I have never seen anything, any place quite like it before. Its beauty was definitely striking. The power, the presence of something there was very striking and it was just a mystery to me and so finally we found uh, a little card that could tell us what it was about and um, we went and read on the card that Saint Chapelle was the former reliquary for the crown of thorns and we both looked at each other and were like wow this is the reliquary for the original crown of thorns that um, is the most documented relic in all of Christianity, as far as documented, as far as where, where its history is, where it was passed down to, who had it when, etc., uh, etc. Et and the least probably controversial uh, of, of, of the relics within Christianity as well, meaning that many relics had a lot of controversies around them as to whether or not they were really the true thing, etc., etc. Um, so the, probably the least controversial of all the relics uh, as, as well. And that King Louis had bought it. We were reading on this that King Louis had bought it um, back uh, during the, the fall of Constantinople and brought uh, the crown of thorns to France. Uh, amongst a few other sacred relics, uh, uh, some uh, it was reported to be a, a piece of the true cross that he also brought, and I forget what the third relic was. Um, Philip, if you remember, you can fill in the details for me. But the crown of thorns was basically the crown jewel of the collection for what he um, built St. Chapelle for. So he built this beautiful place, and it's actually on the grounds, uh, because we also didn't understand why we had to stand in such a long line, why we had to go through a security checkpoint. (laughs) You know, we were like, why are we going through a security checkpoint to go into this uh, this, 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 this church, we thought, you know, um, and uh, so it, it was very fascinating for us that it was on the grounds of where all of the monarchs and kings uh, had lived, they were the, the palaces of the kings and, and where King Louis had 
lived um, on the same grounds of the palace, and now it's a government building. Um, but that wasn't clear to us from the beginning. We didn't understand where we were and what all these things were. And so we just found it a great synchronicity. We were deeply moved by it. I felt a, a strong connection in my heart, right, just really feeling something in my heart that we had had that experience, and I was super grateful. And so then we, had, we, we went to lunch, and we were like, wow, we just saw wait, the wait, before, you, yeah. before you go. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of things. Number one, the crown yeah. of thorns is not Go there, ahead. which we found out that during the French Revolution in the late 1700s, it had been moved or taken. So we had no idea if it still existed, if it was lost or whatever. That's one thing. And mm-hmm. the, the the other thing, you know, if you if you if you know what reliquaries are, <laughs> they're usually small. They're like little small things that can hold can hold yes. a piece of a bone or something. This is a huge It's cathedral. big. It, so it, it was it, like Yeah. It it's actually called one of the greatest architectural masterpieces of the Western world. So so anyway I just wanted to add in that once we left there, we did not know what the what had happened to Crown Thorns. We knew it was and the there. stained glass, a lot of it is original too. I mean, they yeah. they've restored some of it, but a lot of it is the original, including some of that original blue cobalt stained glass that um, mm-hmm. nobody knows exactly mm-hmm. how, exactly how it was made. Some of that rare um, stained glass that is, is found in St. Chapelle and Chartres Cathedral, which Philip's going to tell us a little about when I get there. So I'm going to try and shorten the story I really am. So we yeah. went to lunch, mm-hmm. and we had a whole, like, timing snafus and stuff like that that happened to us during lunch. It was actually quite odd just how many timing snafus happened during our lunch. And then we went to Notre Dame, and um, we went to Zero Point and made our connection with Zero Point and stood there and did a meditation. So, again, a, a timing that had to be involved for that certain amount of time that that took and then we got in line and we got in line the woman was like you're cutting in line in front of me and I'm like oh I'm sorry I didn't realize that and and, you know I didn't realize where the back of the line was and she said oh the back of the line is way back there so we had again there's a whole timing to all of this that had to happen so we had to go way back to this back of this very long line which which that day was uh, very unnormal Uh, I was like wow that's not usual for this line to be this long Um, and so we finally got into Notre Dame. We were looking around. We took pictures. We lit candles. We said prayers. Again, there's a timing to all of this that I'm trying to point out. And um, we saw the, um, uh, what is it called, the treasury, uh, the treasury. And um, Philip said, do you want to go in there? And, and I looked down the hallway, and I saw this glowing golden light, literally uh, with my physical eyes, uh, the, the hallway of the reliquary was illuminated and lit up by this golden glowing light. And I said, yes, I definitely want to go in there. Let's go in there. And I felt drawn into there. And so we looked at many things. There's several just amazing ceremonial objects, uh, relics of saints that they have within the treasury. And the, this, this, this is, I'm telling you this because what we've done in our um, journey into the Sacred Heart pilgrimage, if we have tried to recreate this day for everybody who is going to be going with us, okay? Um, we, we, that's why I'm going into depth with the, about this story. Plus, it's just a really powerful, moving story about following our hearts and about how the Sacred Heart uh, will guide us and the divine will guide us uh, to where we need to be when we need to be there, right? So I'm telling you that story for both of those reasons. Um, so we were in there for quite a while. The very last thing that we came to before we were getting ready to head out, actually, um, was this beautiful, solid, it looked like it was made out of solid gold. It probably was um, solid gold. If not, it was gold-plated for sure. Um, 
um, sculpture, I would call it, that I was like, I've never seen anything like it. It was a globe, and again, all gold, everything's gold. Um, it's, it was a globe, and it was being uh, lifted up by angels. And, um, but it was just a, a plain globe, nothing was on it. I'm like, what is this? You know, I, I kind of recognize a lot of the other ceremonial objects that were, I mean, those are powerful and amazing and beautiful enough to, uh, their energies were just actually phenomenal energies. But um, this object had a totally different energy and like really like was affecting my heart and affecting uh, my intuition that something special was about it. And so again, so much so that we had to go find a card or something that told us what it was and we started reading about it and we read that it was the, um, the base that the crown of thorns was upon, was rested upon um, at the St. Chapelle reliquary. <laughs> And so we're like, oh, we were just at Saint Chapelle, and we were just guided to Saint Chapelle, and and that's the reliquary for where the, you know the crown of thorns used to be. And we had no idea, like Philip said, where, where it is now, what what what's going on, with, you know, whether it even still existed or anything like that. We knew anything about it. Um, and then we come across this base, which again, I'm having this special connection, and I'm really feeling something in my heart about this object. What's there's something different about it? There's something special about it, unique about it. And then right next to it was an empty case. And we looked at the sign and we looked on the card and it said crown of thorns and, and that the case is empty. And we're like looking at each other going, does the crown of thorns still exist? Is the crown of thorns here? Does Notre Dame have the crown of thorns? And we're looking at this empty case and we're like, okay, well, we don't, if it does, then we don't really know, you know, and, um, you know, we, we, we could ask, maybe we could find somebody to ask. Uh, I think that was our conclusion is we, we, we'd find somebody to ask. So uh, we, we, we looked at, we got kind of pulled and attracted over to a couple more things, and then we started heading for the door. And I think we were looking for somebody to ask. Um, and I figured, well, even if it was there, they probably have it hidden, and that's the reason why the case is empty and that kind of thing. So we get to the, to the end of the hallway of the treasury, and all these priests are walking by the door. And, and as I'm approaching the doorway, it's just priest after priest after priest after priest in this procession. And I'm like, oh, some kind of ceremony is happening, and we're not going to be able to you know, get out. And we didn't know the ceremony was happening, so you know, I guess we'll just have to stand here and wait for it. And, that, and Philip and I were standing there at the doorway, and as the priest processed by, they were carrying a palaquin, which is this um, like kind of cart that they carry on their shoulders, and it's an ancient cart of carrying on their shoulders. And there was this, um, I don't even know what you would call it, this other, you know, just um, beautiful glass and golden um, uh, sculpture or uh, container, maybe you, you would call it, uh, that was on the palaquin, and in it was the, uh, a circular um, round uh, object. And when my, when my eyes glanced on that object and this palaquin and, and what, was, what, what was happening there, um, my, my mouth dropped open. And we both looked at each other and our mouths dropped open. And I felt this energy come off of the object and, and hit me in the middle of my chest, literally like penetrate me in the middle of my chest and open my heart in my heart chakra in, in this vast and immense way. Um, very deep and very profound and vast and immense are the only words that I can use to describe it to you. And I'm not overestimating it with those words. Um, I, I just don't have any other words to use. And um, we looked at each other and we said, Is that, could that be the crown of thorns? If that's the crown of thorns, we think that's the crown of thorns. You know, we're like, the crown of thorns, it's, it's, it's here, you know. And, and we didn't even like, 
have any intention at all, like which is what I said, we had no intention. Our intention for the day was to go back to zero point. That's all our intention was. And here I had this heart, profound heart opening, heart activating, heart awakening experience. And I said, follow that. So once the procession was over, we were able to follow and we were able to go back into this small area in the back uh, where they, you know, the very first thing they did is they, 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 they put the crown of thorns down at the feet of, of Mother Mary. There's a statue of Mother Mary back there. They put it, the crown of thorns down down at the feet. They said a prayer. They did uh, some, some type of you know, small prayer. There, were, there really weren't very many people back there with us at this time. We were very, very close. We were very close in our encounter in the doorway, and we were very, very close uh, back in the, in the back of the cathedral. And then we followed them back out into the main nave. And when we went back out into the main nave, we saw what those lines were for. Now all of a sudden, the cathedral was just you know, filled with, 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 with pilgrims and people that had come there to uh, see the crown of thorns and we were a part of the the ceremony uh, that they performed um, we got the chance to sit there on the side of the altar uh, we, 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 we were able to kind of be on the side there uh, where the candles are and where all the priests and the nuns actually sit they were kind of lined up in rows and then there's the candles and there's us and um, and uh, we're, we're, again, pretty, pretty close to that ceremony. And the ceremony was very beautiful, very powerful. Um, and um, the, 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 the thing that struck me, there was lots of kind of messages that I was getting. I, I felt the presence of my great-grandfather, my great-grandmother there. Again, there was lots of um, mystical connections that I was making to the experience. But I felt like I was called back. Um, and we... we um, I actually made a promise uh, to go back. Um, I felt like it was very hard for me to leave, um, and uh, the energy was so strong, and it was so palpable of a heart connection. Uh, I was having a, a, a true mystical, sacred heart <laughs> connection. Um, with the crown of thorns, even forgetting that the crown of thorns is actually wrapped around the image of the sacred heart of Christ in that traditional image. I forgot totally about that until later. Um, and uh, so I, I, I felt called. I felt I made a promise that I would go back. And what we've done is we said, okay, well, we could go back in a personal way or we could go back and we could give other people this experience as well, knowing that what we've known. And, um, you know, we felt like we were on a, we're a guided trail that day. Um, we were on a guided path that day. The synchronicities were immense. The timing, astronomical. Every single one of those things had to take the exact length of time that they had to take in order to put us in, on that, at that doorway at that exact moment that that procession was happening and the crown of thorns passed by did, within did just feet of us. Did you mention that the crown of thorns only comes out once a month on a Friday? Oh, I didn't. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, that's the whole thing. <laughs> that you know, it, it's only taken out uh, for public view and actually for a mass, for a ceremony, once a month on whatever Friday it is at 3 p.m. And, yes, um, <laughs> the first Friday you know, is what it is. The first Friday of every month Friday? at yeah. 3 p.m. Yes, and you know they don't advertise that either. We had, to, no. we had to go online and search all over the place to find that. So it's not like a thing that's really. But out there, I guess maybe because it'd have too many people, but all the local people know about it, and the people who are, you know, devout uh, people who come to the cathedral for mass and so forth. So we set it up this time so that it would be that, because it must be the first Friday, yeah. 
Yes. Friday the month yes. at 3 p.m.? Yeah. Right. So the reason so why we're going to Notre Dame amazing. first on our journey into the Sacred Heart is because that is the first Friday. Friday of October, and we have to go that day. We can't go any other day in order to have this Crown of Thorns pilgrimage. Um, yeah. And, again, it's a journey into the Sacred Heart. It's for all of us individually and whatever our relationship with the divine is. But my experience is that um, this sacred object, uh, this powerful sacred object, has the ability to touch our hearts deeply, open our hearts deeply. And, um, you know, I really feel like I've grown deeply in my personal relationship with Christ and in my personal relationship with God, it, it, the, the, all of God, like God in every form and in every way um, through that heart-opening experience. So everybody's intention is for their journey into the Sacred Heart can be um, different. We're going to be bringing you into contact with these sacred places and these sacred objects that can just help you with whatever that intention is. You know, so uh, we'll encourage everybody to set attention for the journey um, and for the whole weekend journey, actually. Um, and then we'll go to these places and we'll, uh, and on this particular day, we'll experience the, the, the connection that we can make with this uh, sacred object. And again, you can make it with your mind or you can make it with your heart. And if you can make it with your heart, then uh, it can help you journey further into your relationship with the divine, your personal relationship with the divine, and also uh, journey deeper into your sacred heart. So we're actually going to try to recreate that day. Again, it's not possible to um, create all the magic and synchronicities of that day. Hopefully there will be magic and synchronicities that our group will experience on our own. We usually do. Uh, we usually have magical experiences with our groups and synchronicities that can transpire with our groups. Um, but we are going to go to that, that, that sequence of things. First we're going to go to St. Chapelle. We're going to see that amazing place. Then we're going to go into um, uh, to, to Zero Point, connect with Zero Point. We're going to go into Notre Dame, look around Notre Dame, take pictures there go into the treasury, uh, see the objects and the items that we were describing, and uh, be there. Um, uh, my preference is to be in the back of the cathedral um, during the time that that 3 p.m. Uh, ceremony um, begins uh, for, the, for, the, for the Crown of Thorns experience. So that's day one. So that's, that's why this, uh, this is a short pilgrimage, three nights, four days, but it's power-packed. <laughs> That day one of the journey into the Sacred Heart. Well, so to, day to two, say, we're say, actually going to, to be say, going to yes. To say nothing of the rest of Notre Dame. <laughs> to say nothing of the rest of Notre Dame, as I if mean, it's not a sacred yeah, pilgrimage itself. site in and of itself. <laughs> Correct. The, Correct. The, the yes. rose windows and the statue and the incredible statue of Joan of Arc. I mean, it's it's an amazing, incredible place. Plus, all the way around. And it's history. It, the, the, yeah. The backside of Notre Dame, which I don't think we went to w with the group, but we, we will this year, of course. Mm -hmm. It's just that, that yeah. whole area, the whole island that Notre Dame is on right. is historical. I mean, that's where Paris was founded. Right. We know the history uh, prior to, you know, even uh, the founding when it was... Um, the Celts who lived on that mm -hmm. island and so forth. So mm -hmm. we, when we go to all these sacred places, we explore not just the current history or even the current right. religious history, but, but going beyond as well. 
Yeah, in fact, um, that island is considered to be the boat of Isis. Paris yep. is Parisis, the city of Isis. You know, Paris is Paris, Parisis, and um, that means the city of Isis. And the Isle de la Cité, where Notre Dame sits on, considered to be the boat of Isis. So it's the ancient sacred site to the divine feminine. And Notre Dame means Our, Our lady. lady. And this is yeah. Notre Dame of Paris that we'll be going to on day one. And then we're going to be going on day two to Notre Dame of Chartres. And that's that short train ride that we'll take from Paris. Beautiful little train ride um, down to the, the, the incredible quaint village of Chartres to go to Notre Dame of Chartres um, because we're exploring the Sacred Heart within us as well as the Sacred Heart of Christ, by the way. Um, it, that pilgrimage has to include the, the, the Divine Feminine, you know, Our Lady. You know, there's no accident that these places um, are, are, are places called our lady, they're, de- they're, they're, they're designated to the sacred feminine. And Phil's going to tell us a little bit about this amazing um, place, which is a place of pilgrimage in and of itself. People travel from all over the world just to go to Chartres Cathedral. Um, tell us a little bit about Chartres Cathedral, Philip. Yeah. Well, Chartres Cathedral is actually considered um, to be the home of, of Mary. It is and as Anna said, prior to that, there was a Celtic site, which um, I think even Julius Caesar wrote about. That area was a gathering place for the Druids and Celts. So the Sharks uh, is built over a sacred spring, and there's a whole history behind that. There are two parts to Sharks. Uh, uh, One is upstairs where the great rose window and it's beautiful it's called the blue madonna and the labyrinth and unbelievably incredible amazing place huge beautiful intimate incredible and then down uh, below is the crypt and that's a whole different story which we'll touch on a little later notre dame uh, excuse me chartra it from 20 miles away you can see it the, the spires of chartra and there are two spires, and they're different lengths. They're different heights, and people always wonder, well, was that a mistake, or what is that? And actually, some people, obviously, have examined all these things, and one theory, one of those spires is 365 feet high, which is related to the this, this solar year, and some people believe that to be represent the divine masculine. And the other one is 28 feet shorter, which is relative to the lunar year or the moon, representing the divine feminine. So some people call that tallest uh, spire, the spire of El, which is one of the original names for God in the Jewish tradition, and the smaller one to be Asherah, which was a name for the beloved of God, also in the early, early, early pre-Jewish and, and Jewish tradition. The other thing about uh, Chartres, when you get first of all, the village is, is beautiful and amazing. We had uh, on the trip we went in 2012. There was a woman who wanted to spend either all of her time. I can't remember what it was. All of her time in France, or half a year in France, and she was actually kind of looking and wondering, and she had been researching different places in France. When we got to Chartres, she said, "Okay, this is where I want to live. Just a gorgeous, beautiful village, and the church itself. I mean." It's generally one of those old classic French villages. Yeah. 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 Beautiful classic French Quaint. village. 
And um, and when you get to the church itself, it's gorgeous, amazing, incredible work of architecture. Again, out of the 12th century, one of the first Gothic cathedrals built literally by the people themselves. You know, the previous churches have been there since, I think, the 4th or the 6th century, long, long time. And even before the Christian churches were the, the Celtic churches and, and holy sites and so forth. But in the 12th century is when this particular church was was built and rebuilt. There was a, a big fire late in the 12th century, and everything but the, the front, uh, the western wall where, where you enter was burned down. And it was built again by the people. It really is a church of the people. That's one thing. The other thing is that building, it's so full of wisdom teachings. You know, we talked about the heart and the mind and wisdom and love, and it's got both. It's considered to be a good idea before you even go inside the church of Ashatra to go around the building. You, you approach it on the western, from the western side. There's three huge doors. The door in the middle has a has a. They're called portals, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. And there's three three of those, and the the one in the middle is called the royal portal, and is a huge. There's a. Um, a sculpture of Christ surrounded by four animals which represent the four apostles or those who wrote the four Gospels. And then going around the whole building before you go in, it's huge, 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 and so many sculptures. You could spend days and weeks there. But in, again, we went and we spent a day there before and we got the essence, and it was awesome. And one thing We made the heart connection, which is what we're going to do with this trip, too, make the exactly. heart connection. Exactly, yeah. yeah, made the heart connection. And the interesting thing there, too, talking about the heart connection and the divine feminine, there are more statues around and inside that building, pictures and statues of, of women and of feminine saints and, and holy people and so forth, by far than any other church in the world. It's one of the special things about this church. I also read that a lot of the people... This church has got a real special history to it, many, many different layers of meaning. And I read that a lot of the men, children and men who were conscious objectors, who didn't go to war or couldn't go to war or whatever, helped to build that temple. So there's also a vibe there of, of, of peace as well. The other really significant thing about this, this church and temple that's been recognized by a lot of people, first of all, these Gothic cathedrals appeared out of nowhere. There was the Romanesque period of cathedrals, which were darker and different. These Gothic cathedrals with all the light and the stained glass windows just arose out of nowhere. No one even knew where did they even come from. And this particular cathedral, because it's so full of paintings and drawings and, and artwork and sculptures, it's considered to be a book. And some people consider it to be the book of love or the book, the book in stone that gives guidance to a person on the path of love or on the way of love, which includes and transcends all religions and all spiritual paths. So, again, as Anna's saying, if we go there and we, we go there and, and, and with our heart open or have our heart open, then we can really, really read this, um, this building. Yes. When Napoleon through our, entered through church, our hearts and through our spiritual sight, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, through the spiritual sight. When Napoleon, Emperor Napoleon, entered Chartres Cathedral for the first time, he gasped. He said, Chartres is no place for an atheist. <laughs> it just uh, blows your mind. <laughs> Good one. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so. Well, I think so we should again, say some things about the crypt because, I mean, yeah, that's, I'm the, that's I the sacred heart of the cathedral. Exactly. 
So I want to say one, one more thing about upstairs. So upstairs, of course, the, the, labyrinth, the labyrinth, which is totally unbelievably amazing and, and astounding, which, by the way, the rose window that's in the western mm. portal, you know, when you first come in, there's a huge rose window, which you see from the inside even better. That rose window is exactly the same circumference as the labyrinth, so that if it if you came out and you laid that rose window on top of the labyrinth, it would exactly cover it. So that's kind of fascinating in itself. The thing that's also special about Sartre is that it's the color blue. The color blue, there's, there's, a, there's a painting. When you come in through the western door and you go all the way down on the right, there's a beautiful painting. It's called The Lady of the... I think it's called The Lady of the Beautiful Window, but a lot of people call it the Blue Madonna. It's a, it's a Madonna in this blue color, and it's the same color that's in the rose window in the western portal. Hmm. That color blue has never been reproduced anywhere before. No one can even figure out how they did it. How so they that's made it. That, I said that's in Saint Chapelle too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's in Saint Chapelle. Yeah, I remember I reading that. The only two Chartre, places. Chartre yeah. blue? That blue. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe maybe the propaganda from <laughs> from the Chartres uh, Cathedral was was wrong. But in any event, it's a very very amazing color blue that no one's been able to reproduce in in modern times. Mm. In but modern as, times, as, yes. As, yeah. Well, the reason why it's there in Saint Chapelle is because it's it's old, right? It's it's the old original glass. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Saint they might have even gotten some from Chartres. Actually, I might where might have been where they maybe got it. Maybe that's where they got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But after the twelve after the twelfth thirteenth century, no one's able to been been able to reproduce that blue. But as Anna said, the heart, the heart of Chartres is actually downstairs in the crypt. And Before you do, though, let me just add one yeah. thing. The, sure. the, the labyrinth is inlaid into the floor there. It's 11th Circuit Labyrinth, um, the one that many make um, pilgrimages to. People are making pilgrimages just to go to the labyrinth, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping it will be open that day. We cannot guarantee it will be open that day. Um, there's certain days that they always have it open, and those tend to be Fridays, and we can't go on Friday because we, are, we have to go on the first Friday of the month has to be to Chartres. Uh, but they do open at other times and other days, so we're just hoping that that day uh, will be one of the days that it's, that it's open. If not, we will definitely um, be seeing it, even if we can't walk it, um, be able to connect our hearts to the heart of that labyrinth. Um, and one of the mystical experiences, Chartres is one of the places that I had several mystical experiences on our pilgrimages and on our retreats, and one of the mystical experiences that I had upstairs, and there were other people having this phenomena as well, is that on the digital camera, um, when you look with the digital camera, because they make these uh, digital cameras so sensitive now that they're super light sensitive and they pick up um, things that even our physical eyes don't always pick up now because of how many you know, pixels and stuff they keep trying to enhance it to. Um, well, the, you would put the digital camera up to the ceiling of Chartres and there would be this violet light shooting through the ceiling um, at, at Chartres on the, on the screen of the digital camera that you'd look with your physical eyes and it's not there. Uh, so that was, a, that was an interesting experience, a mystical experience that I was having is that the camera was revealing something that the physical eyes weren't seeing. So then down into the, 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 the crypt, I'll, I'll start with my continuing the mystical experience. So the largest mystical experience I had there was in the crypt, and then I'll have to tell, tell us more about it. 
Um, uh, again, synchronicity-wise, uh, we, we thought that the group had already gone in, and so a friend of mine and, uh, who was walking with me, we walked in on our own, and we weren't supposed mm-hmm. to be walking in on our own. We were supposed to be walking in with the group. And I had this mystical experience of my spiritual vision being open. With my physical eyes, I was seeing everything in there as light. Um, nothing, even though this is a cathedral made of stone and glass, right? It's a stone and glass cathedral, and all the walls were stone. My eyes, my physical eyes, were seeing it all as light. Nothing appeared solid. I was walking down the hallway. I'm like, uh, Mandara, which is the name of my friend. Mandara, are you having the same experience I'm having? Nothing is solid in here. And she's like, uh, no, Anna, I'm not having that experience. And you know, so I tried to just let it happen for as long as it happened. And it, it happened until we went and re- it continued on, actually, for quite a while until we went and rejoined the group. And then it stopped. But it was, a, it was an o- opening of my spiritual vision that I believe I experienced in that crypt and also something that um, it was showing me and that's that there's so much more to the crypt that there's uh, that this this powerful light vibration and light energy uh, down there that can even you know um, supersede and transcend matter and our, our, our and the material world so tell us about the crypt Philip <laughs> <laughs> that's the best story about the crypt yeah it's kind of amazing because I, w- I was with the group I was getting the tickets for the group and we were going where's Anna you know, where's Donna and, and Mandara? We couldn't find them, and they were already had somehow slipped in there and had this mystical experience. So, um, anyway, the the crypt. Um, well, one thing there's uh, just very briefly, there are black Madonnas uh, all over Europe. Most of them are actually in France, and a lot of them have been found over the centuries in caves and hidden under trees and forests and so forth and so on. And they're very, very special representations of the divine feminine going back actually thousands and thousands of years, predating most of the major, maybe all the major world religions. So these black Madonnas, um, in certain cathedrals around France and other places, they're, they're actually being worshipped. Of course, the worship has been transferred from the goddess to the goddess in Christianity, uh, one of the, the major one being uh, uh, Mother Mary. But um, upstairs in, in And many people now think the Black Madonnas are also associated with Mary Magdalene, and that was um, something that the right. Knights Templar propagated as well. Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. So actually, the, the, in the Middle Ages, the, the Black Madonnas were definitely connected to uh, Mary Magdalene. So there's a Black Madonna upstairs, uh, Madonna and Child in the Sharks Cathedral, and there's one downstairs as well. And the one downstairs, again... Remember, I mentioned that this site was previously it's built on a um, a site that was sacred to the Celts and the, the Druids and, and Druidesses of Gaul were there way, way, way beyond uh, when the Catholic Church came in and built on top of that. And they worshipped a, a virgin who would who would give birth to a savior. So that idea, and now of course uh, the crypt underneath has the Madonna and child, and specifically it's the child who, or the virgin who gives birth to a child. But it's very interesting that this same form of the goddess was worshipped um, hundreds and thousands of years before a church was built as a, a Catholic cathedral. And this Black Madonna is unlike any of the other ones we've ever seen, well, even, gonna, even unlike any of the other ones we've seen <laughs> in France. Yeah. So the thing about this Black Madonna downstairs, and it's a replica because... 
Um, the older ancient Black Madonna very, very unfortunately was destroyed during the French Revolution. It was burned. Very, very sad. But the the one that's currently there is unbelievable, beautiful, and the carving replicates that very ancient Black Madonna. And I guarantee you, I could be wrong, but as far as I can tell, you'll never see another uh, Madonna and child like this in a, in a Catholic church. It's amazing. And, you know, you really... It's again, reminiscent honor, of Isis and, and, um, yeah, and Horus, exactly. actually. So some of the exactly. ancient statues you see of the goddess Isis and Horus. So at the same time honoring the Catholic tradition and Mary and Jesus, deeply honoring that tradition, but also it's very, very easy to take through that, uh, through that statue, through the icon, to go all the way back to earlier times of, of goddess and child. Yeah, we had uh, amazing experience down there. And, and, of course, people say that that's the heart of it, but uh, when you go down there, you don't have to read that anywhere. You can, you can feel it. The heart, and there's a little, the, the there's sacred a little, heart um, of Chartres Cathedral is that room. Absolutely, absolutely. Because in that room and is also the well, the spring. Right, And, Alice and also that. in that room is the sacred relic um, that is believed to, you know, the church says this relic is the um, birthing veil of Mother Mary when she gave birth to Christ. Right. And that was, I think that was a donation from maybe a king of Germany, that relic. So, um, and the other thing that's down there is a chapel. You know, there's like a little chapel, there's masses down there, and boy, would I love to be there when, when they have a ceremony. Tell them so about the, 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 the old time thing of, of going into there for healing. Right. Remember what you were telling true. me about last night right. when, when you were telling yep. me about how there used to be these healing ceremonies that would take place yep. and people would go there? That, that's exactly right. We just recently found out. You know, a lot of people have heard over in, in Greece there are temples. Um, who's who's the, the god of healing from Greece? I can never pronounce that name. Can you pronounce it? Asclepius. Asclepius? Yeah, what she said. So, um, you know, people would go there and sleep overnight and for healing. Well, originally, in, when the early pilgrimages were going on, pre and during the high Middle Ages, pilgrims would come and they would sleep in that crypt for nine days to recover from serious illness. So it originally had, again, the connection to the healing spring that's underneath the church that's been known about for thousands and thousands of years. Well, that was a healing sacred site to the Celtic people that spring. The spring is still exactly. there. It's a deep well now that they have a beautiful um, lantern, a candle lantern that they hang over it. And um, it was a sacred ancient site to the Celts of a, of a sacred healing place of the goddess, actually. And it's in mm -hmm. the same room as this black Madonna and as this relic of the veil, the birthing veil. And yeah, it truly is very, the heart. Very the heart mm -hmm. of Chartres Cathedral and connected to the sacred heart uh, and helps to open our sacred heart in a very healing way of the deepest wounds I feel that we all carry, the sacred wound that we all carry, which I attribute related to the wound that was created in us all. Margaret Starbird says that um, the wound within us that never heals is a wound that's created through the loss of the sacred feminine. And um, that wound will be restored through the healing of the sacred feminine, the restoration of the sacred feminine within our hearts and within our lives. Um, and I feel that Chartres Cathedral does that very much, um, is a healing place for that sacred wound within our sacred hearts. Um, and it is 
like Philip said, uh, a lot of esoteric um, practitioners and um, even people who follow the Gnostic Gospels and things like that um, believed to be um, more than just um, you know a, a, more than just a place of beauty. Um, the Book of Love is the lost gospel. Uh, would have been the would have been the name and the English name given to the Gospel of Yeshua, the Gospel of Christ, and um, the Book of Love is believed to have existed by many people, uh, many early Christians, um, and there are legends and stories, folklore stories of Mary Magdalene when she traveled to France, um, bringing that with her as one of the treasures um, that she brought with her, um, and it is. Um, said by some of the esoteric practitioners uh, who know some of the sacred ancient mysteries associated with shards that um, it is the book of love in stone and glass, um, that it exists on earth and it exists told in the stories in the stained glass because the stained glass there um, tells stories. In fact, there's a stained glass pane that, um, tells, that shows Mary Magdalene arriving on the boat and the shores of southern France. In fact, when I was walking the labyrinth, it was another one of my mystical experiences there. I was walking the labyrinth, and something just said, stop, look up. I stopped, and I looked up, and of all of these stained glass windows and out of the hundreds and hundreds of panes on them, my eyes glanced right on that one single small pane that shows that depiction of Mary Magdalene getting off the boat on the shores of southern France. So there's a whole other long story in of itself, which we're actually going to tell more of in our next teleconference, which is called She Who Knew All, Mary Magdalene, She Who Knew All, which will be on July the 22nd on the actual uh, Worldwide Celebration Day or Feast Day of Mary Magdalene. So let me just finish real quickly, wrap this up um, uh, with day three. Um, we'll, we're, on day three, we'll be back in, in Paris. We'll take the short train ride back to Paris that night, actually, on Saturday night. And um, we'll, uh, we'll be back in Paris in the morning. We're going to have a conference room in our hotel. And I'm going to lead a, um, a soul journey that's an inner soul journey, okay? So I'm going to lead a guided inner journey. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to lead other things and before then. Um, I'll be leading whatever it is that Spirit calls me. That's why I can't tell you exactly what I'm going to lead when, um, because uh, if I lead a prayer, if I lead everybody in intentions, if I lead everybody in affirmations, if I lead everybody in a meditation, I'll be doing it uh, as Spirit calls me to do so. We'll be having morning breakfasts together, and um, we'll have the opportunity to share dreams and dream messages that I'll be leading, and Philip will be there during those breakfasts too, and we'll help everybody kind of understand how the, the, the intuition can be communicating to us through dreams, the sacred heart can be communicating with us and interacting with us through our dream experiences. But the only thing that I know for sure that I'm going to be facilitating, um, no doubt, and that is that this um, morning in the conference room, I'll be leading a guided inner journey uh, based on some of the journeying work that I do. If people um, who are listening to this have ever done any of my journeys when I go on tour and stuff, it's going to be similar to that, but it's a journey into your sacred heart and through that into the sacred heart of the divine. And it's a meditative uh, journey. Um, I consider journeying work beyond meditation. Uh, it's more like a form of conscious dream work. Uh, it's really more of an accurate way of describing it. So I'll be leading a morning journey. And then after that, we will be going on an outer journey, another outing, uh, journeying to uh, a place that's up on the hillside. Um, it sits on a very special location in Paris. 
Uh, the location is uh, the reason why they chose to build it there, which happens to be the reason for a lot of these things, right? The, the, the sacred earth energies, the vortex energies, which I talked about in the last teleconference that we did, happens to be some of the reasons why these places are chosen to be built at this place. Um, and the name of this basilica, it's a basilica that we're going to, it, it's more modern, it's much more um, modern day basilica than, of course, Notre Dame of Paris or Notre Dame of Chartres Cathedral will be. Um, but uh, it's called Sacre Coeur, which means Sacred Heart. And it is a basilica built and dedicated to the devotion of the Sacred Heart. Um, and it's on this hill uh, that overlooks all of Paris, actually. So the views are supposed to be stunning and spectacular there. Um, the energies from this sacred site are supposed to be quite spectacular. And, of course, um, this devotion uh, that uh, this was built for with the intention of, this, of, of the Sacred Heart. And I just feel like it's just, my intuition just tells me that we're going to be spirit-led that day to some synchronicities <coughs> that are going to be happening. And I'm really eager to see uh, Secrecore and all the things that are going to transpire there because I haven't been there yet. Well, I think there's, there's a special reason that, that we are going there, even though it kind of more came to you through intuition. It's a place that, it's really a place of reconciliation because it was, built after this really horrible time period in, in uh, Paris after uh, the um, Prussian War. And it's become really a place of peacefulness. There's a meditation garden. Of course, it overlooks the city. You can go up and top and look over the city of Paris. And it has uh, the Blessed Sacrament. It's displayed there perpetually. So people go in, and there's a lot of prayer and meditation that happens there. And actually, when you're in the church, they really ask you to observe silence because people from around the world come to pray there. Mm. So it's, um, I think it's like a perfect a pilgrimage place. site for prayer meditation. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. On and, the and sacred it's a heart. Good way, yeah. Good way to end the this experience because all of these things we're seeing and hearing and experience, we can just kind of sit there and meditate on and then prepare on our pilgrimages. We always like to end with uh, a time to kind of meditate and silence and really prepare ourselves to take what we've learned with the mind and the heart back into our daily world. So I think this is a perfect place to to do that. Well, um, that completes the talking about what we're doing all those three days. The next day is just the, the departure day, everybody saying their goodbyes and um, preparing to depart from Paris. So the arrival day will be on Friday, October the 3rd, and the departure day will be on Monday, October the 6th, with this power-packed um, journey into the Sacred Heart. Um, and again, uh, this is the registration deadline if you'd like to join us. Uh, this is the least time commitment and the most affordable of all the journeys, um, and we're still taking registrations at the uh, early bird um, price. In fact, because we're just now doing, this is our first teleconference on this subject, I'm going to leave the website as is all throughout the week, and just for a few more days, again, for anybody listening to this and for anybody who's um, you know listening to this recording later, I'm going to leave that up on the website for a while. Even after I take that $7.95 off of the website, um, again, I've made a promise that anybody listening to this, if you decide that you want to go on this journey with us, um, that uh, that uh, early bird price of $795 will still be available to you. Just give me a call or send me an email so that we can uh, do the registration through another way because the website will be upgraded to the $8.95 price here in a few days. So, But I'm going to leave it as is for a while. Um, the logistics of it all, uh, you basically you're flying into Paris 
and you're meeting us in Paris. So meet, meet us in Paris. We invite you to do so. Um, and you're meeting us at the hotel. So you'll fly into Paris. Um, some people uh, will arrive the night before if they'd like. It, that's totally up to you. That's optional. You would be staying there on your own the night before if you, if you do that. Um, and some people are just flying in really, really early that morning so that you can meet us at the hotel between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. on the morning of October the 3rd. And um, then uh, from there, we travel together for the rest of the weekend as a group, and all the transportation will be, all the ground transportation, trains, all that stuff will be included uh, while we're together as a group. And then once the departure day comes, um, everybody will have to get their own um, transportation back to the airport as well. So uh, we begin at the hotel, the retreat, and we end at the hotel, the retreat. Um, and we have a logistical coordinator who can help get you information as far as taxis, shuttle services, um, actually the subway system is fantastic uh, in Paris and very, very easy if you're not bringing a lot of luggage, which you don't really need to do for an extended weekend, uh, to, to, to take the subway system, uh, which does go from the, um, the airports even. So we have people doing that last time too. So there's lots of options, lots of ways to register. You can register by phone, um, by calling me at 808-775-9911. You can register on our website at mysticalfrance.com. Uh, click on the registration page. It'll take you to the registration menu. Click on Retreat 3, which is the journey into the Sacred Heart. And then just fill out the few, there's a few boxes to fill out there. Um, check that you've read the Terms and Conditions box and hit the Submit button and that'll take you to the, the payment page. And all we need in the very beginning um, is a 50% deposit um, to get you registered. And then the final amount would be due, I think it's August the 10th or maybe it's the 12th, something like that. I'm not on the website right now. So that tells you all about the, the, this will probably be our only teleconference, which is the reason why we've taken a little extra time to go into it in detail. This will be probably our only teleconference um, on this subject of this particular pilgrimage and on the subject of the Sacred Heart and the journey into the Sacred Heart. So that's why we've taken a little extra time and we appreciate um, all of you uh, staying on the line and, 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 and staying with us this long. Um, what I'm going to do now is unmute and if anybody has any questions or anything, um, you're welcome to do you so, or you can email me. You can email me at Anna, which is spelled A-N-A, at AnnaJonesOnline.com. So Anna, A-N-A, and then at AnnaJonesOnline.com um, if you have questions you want to email me. But I will unmute. And, Did you stop um, the recording it, yet? Um, I'm going to stop the recording.